0: You know, Andy Stanley says that we should write our own headlines. In this season, there are stories worth telling. And I honestly believe that if we look for them, if we just open our eyes, if we're willing to stay awake, even in the pain of this moment, we will see them. And we'll be able to give the world, we'll be able to shock the world with the goodness of God even evident right now. You know, the story that we just watched, that we just heard Ash tell. I just wanna say, Ash, where is she? She should come up here. I know you wanna see her again, right? You're in your home and we feel disconnected, but we are connected, come. You know, when you see her every Sunday, most of the time, she, she roars over us as a worship leader and brings herself to the table. And for some of you watching her and being on the receiving end of that beauty, you, you might just think she's just performing her gift just bringing that and you know, she's really good in it and that's what she can do. But what I've had the privilege of doing over this, or I've had the privilege over this past season of watching a girl, almost like I've had front row seats to what God has done in her life. And there has been pain and there has been sorrow and there has been hardship and yet she's got up again and again and again and brought herself to this house and given away her best and worship God with everything that's inside of you. And I just want you to know, church, that we get to benefit from the road that she's chosen to walk a holy and hard way, a holy road. But we get to be on the the other side of that and and on the receiving end of so much that I believe God wants to take us into the church. And so if you're at home now, wherever you are, I'd love you to take a moment to encourage Ash in the comments. She's going to go back and read them. And we want to just celebrate you and thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty. And we love you. <laughs> So why don't you go ahead, tell her that she's awesome. Be forensic and your encouragement goes a long way in this moment. And I really do believe that as a church, we are going to take time over the next few weeks to tell you good stories, to to remember the right stories, because there's a lot of bad news out there, but we're going to talk, we're going to make headlines that say, girl has debt paid in full, girl is healed, young couple in church, buy their pastors a stay for their anniversary just because you know who you are, I can't see you amazing, amazing good news stories, just because we need to write our own headlines right now. Tell the right stories, tell the good stories, it's worthwhile. I want to pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a strong tower and the righteous run to it. We run to you this morning, Jesus, because you are enough for us in this season. You are good, and we receive everything that you have for us this morning, every heart and every home. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as you will have heard many times over the past few days we are starting a new series which i'm very excited and passionate about it is taken from the book written by john eldridge we are not just going to pretend to have come up with all these good ideas we have taken someone else's hard work and beautiful material and we have made it our own and we want to share it with you both dylan and i and some of our team over this past year have taken his ideas his thoughts and, and applied them to our lives. And they have made an incredible difference in the way that we face our every day. And so this book, Get Your Life Back, I believe has had a great impact on my life, but I know for everybody who would take hold of it, you would walk forward with something new and powerful for the season. And so why don't you lean into it? Lean into it. Let this not just be another series that we do and then you forget. Let this be something that you take hold of in your every day. Get your life back, grace for a world gone mad. That's what we're calling it in this place. I wanna to read to you from his introduction because I believe he really sets it up incredibly well. There's madness to our moment. And we need to name it for, what, for the lunacy it is because it's taking our lives hostage. There's this blistering pace to life. But what got my attention was more than that. It was, it, it's what was happening to me as a person. I found myself flinching when a friend texted and asked for some time. I didn't want to open email for fear of the demands I'd find there. I had a shorter and shorter fuse in the traffic. Anyone relate to that? I felt numb to tragic news reports. It made me wonder, am I becoming a lesser loving person? I had little capacity for relationships and the things that bring me life, like a walk in the woods and dinner with friends and a cold plunge in a mountain lake. When I did steal a moment for something life-giving, I was so distracted that I couldn't enjoy it. And then I realized it wasn't a failure of love or compassion. These were symptoms of a soul pushed too hard, strung out, haggard, fried. My soul just can't do life at the speed of smartphones but I was asking it to, everybody's asking these too. I'm guessing you've experienced something similar. Your soul is looking for something. Are you aware of what it is? I wanna ask you some questions. Are you happy most of the time? How often do you feel lighthearted? Are you excited about your future? Do you feel deeply loved? When was the last time you felt carefree? I know it's not even fair to ask. Our souls are bleary, seared, and smeared. Still able to love, yes, still able to hope and dream, but at the end of any given day, most people are living in a state of exhaustion. The world has gone completely mad, and it's trying to take our souls with it. Is this speaking to you this morning? If it is, if you can relate in any way, why don't you take a moment to be honest and truthful and just put a little half five hand in the comments tab. There is no judgment here. I want you to know that we're all going through something together. We're living at a pace in a mad time on the planet. And none of us, if we're really honest, are happy about it. We're in this tech age, there's social media being thrown at us every day, so much information that we can't even handle it. We're living in the midst of a global pandemic called COVID. And more recently in our nation and our province, we experienced looting and riots and extreme unrest. There's a lot going on and it does feel like perhaps the world has indeed gone mad. But in it all, God wants to come to us to restore our lives. He really does. But the thing is, if our souls are dry and weary, we can hinder ourselves from receiving what we need in this moment. Just like a land that has been through an extreme drought, struggles to receive the rain it desperately needs, so our souls are the same. C.S. Lewis says that the soul is a vessel that only God can fill. And we were created to live lives where the spirit of the living water of God would flow in and through us, where we would live full to overflowing. We were designed to exist as deep worlds where the depth of us calls out to the depth of Him. But if we're honest, most of us are dry, we're exhausted, we're frazzled, but God knows. And he sees. And He's giving us an opportunity to access grace every day, to take hold of little things that could help us to get our lives back, to to come forward and say yes to an invitation to live life in a different way, a way that is attainable and intentional for every single one of us. Mark so beautifully last week spoke about Matthew 11, where Jesus calls to him those that are weary. And I didn't really know that that was what he was gonna bring, but it is the whole basis for which this book has been written. Come, Jesus says, come to me with your bleary smeared, frazzled, blistered soul, come with all of it, come to me and I will give you rest. I will help you to live light and carefree and I will help you to recover your life. I will help you get your life back. And so if you're a note taker in this place, in your home and you are ready for it, I have a title for you this morning. It's called Mountain Lions, Horses and the Sigh. And you have to stay for the whole message to understand why I have given it such a riveting title. In the Colorado mountains, horses are something that you see all the time. They're part of the landscape. They're beautiful, they're part of work, they're part of play, they're part of recreation, but they're also prey. And what happens is that there are many threats to the horses, but the biggest being the mountain lion. I didn't even know a mountain lion existed. Go Google it, it's a thing. But anyway, the greatest threat to a horse in Colorado is the mountain lion. And the mountain lion likes to come at night when the horses are vulnerable and asleep. Let me tell you, I could preach a whole series on what's going on with the mountain lions and the horses that I believe would help you now, but I don't want to go there now. I want to just help you see what it means for us in this moment. But over time, the horses have become aware of how the mountain lions like to operate. And so if they know that they're in the area, what happens is at nighttime, they become hypervigilant and extremely on edge. They're tense, they're stressed, they're fretful and fearful because they know they could be imminent prey. And then what happens when the morning comes and the dawn breaks, these horses are still incredibly stressed. They've had a night of being frazzled. And awake, and so in order for them to be able to be ridden in a calm and relaxed state, they have to go through this process of what they like to call groundwork, where these horses are spoken to gently, they're given food, they are rested, they are held with firm hands, and they t- are taken towards a place of calm and rest. And the people that are doing this groundwork, they wait for a specific moment where they know that this horse is suddenly at peace and they call it the small, soft sigh. Why am I telling you all of this? What is the point? It's because we are not different to these horses. We're in a night season. We are in a night season. It's pretty dark out there and it's causing all of us to be hypervigilant and afraid, We're navigating inconsistency and financial distress and fear of illness and fear of failure. And we're disappointed and we've experienced loss of loved ones. We feel like the mountain lions are in the area and we are stressed, weary, exhausted, and for some of us, somewhat unhinged. Our adrenal glands are working in overdrive. And in fact, most of us are holding our breath, just waiting. What we need right now is not more money, not more social media, not more information or social events or entertainment or substances and activities that can make us feel better. What we need is groundwork. Small, seemingly unassuming graces that lead our souls towards the sigh. You know that sigh. (laughs) When you get home after a long day and you sit back on your couch and you lean back and everything just goes. (sighs) When you arrive at a beautiful destination and it almost takes your breath away, I will never forget arriving in Mauritius. We were so excited last year and we'd arrived at night so I couldn't really see what was around us. But as I woke up in the morning and I stepped onto that balcony, I remember looking out at the expanse and it's like my whole being exhaled. It's the soul sigh. It's that leaning back and relaxing into the, pr- the presence of the moment, the loosening of our grip, the exhale, the moment where we recover our breath and we steady our pace. The first thing you need to remember today, if you're taking notes, is the power of Sela. The Bible, too, speaks about this concept of a soul sigh that being with the Lord, that rest. There's a word within Scripture, it's called, it's Selah. It's found only in two books of the Bible. It's found 71 times within the Psalms and once in Habakkuk 3. The implied meaning of this word is a poetic pause placed strategically within the Scriptures to encourage us as people to stop, to consider all that we've read, all that we've seen, all that we've taken in, and then to mindfully give thanks the author of the Passion Translation, the paraphrase of the Bible, rewrites the cellar as a pause in his presence. <clears throat> For example, let's go to Psalm 46 in the Passion Translation. God, you're such a safe and powerful place of refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So I will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away, we will not fear, even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea, for the raging roar of the stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you, Paul. His presence, Selah. What is that writer wanting us to do? He's wanting us to read the truth of who God is, what He has done, and what He will continue to do, to pause and mindfully consider it, and then to give thanks. Thank you, God. I see it. I see you. I stop. And so the grace I want to share with you today, I want to show you something powerful, something so simple, something so practical, you're going to be shocked. It's called the one minute pause. Now I love the Psalms. Why do I love the Psalms? Because they're so honest. They have helped me in this season to articulate moments when I cannot get the words out. I just open the Psalms and there it is. Someone, a writer, David, most of the time, who's able to tell us exactly how he's feeling. He doesn't deny the the pain of today and yet he finds hope in who God is and the hope in what tomorrow will bring and he gives thanks even from a place of despair and pain. It has helped me in this season. But as well as being honest, they are also empowering. They remind us that we have a role to play in this journey of spirituality and faith. That yes, Jesus has in fact, this is the truth, done it all. He has made the way, He has finished it all for us. We stand on the victory of who He is and what He has done, amen? But coupled with that beautiful realization that we don't have to strive, we don't have to bring human effort to the table is an invitation to partner with Him to live in a higher way, a way that's light and carefree, to subscribe to what we call at Link Church, The God-breathed life, where you realize that we are not powerless, that we are powerful because of the Spirit of the living God living and breathing and active on the inside of us. And in every season, in every circumstance, we have the power to choose. And that's what God gives us. He gives us the power to choose, even in this moment, to walk and live in a higher way that He promises us will give us rest for our souls. And you'll see when you read the Psalms, this happens often. I just want to show you one example. But in Psalm 130, he talks about, From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. I cry to you, O God. Pay attention to my prayer. I'm counting on you, Lord. I put my hope in your word. I long for you more than the centuries long For the dawn. He's desperate. He's not shy of expressing the distress that he's feeling. He cries out to God and then he praises him for the hope that he brings. But then, if you read on in the next psalm, he says this Psalm 131, verse 2 I calmed and quieted myself. I calmed and quieted my heart. The second thing I want you to remember this morning, if you are taking notes, is you can do it. Yourself. Come on, somebody, isn't that exciting news today? Too often we wait for someone to make it better, to make the pain go away, to try and fix it all. We're not sure that we can read the Bible. We're not sure if we know how. We disqualify ourselves from, from walking in a real intimate relationship with Jesus because we don't know if we know how to pray. Can I say, if you have a, a voice, you can pray, if you can read and you have a Bible, you can access the Word of God for yourself, the promises, the hope that He brings, you can do it. You don't have to rely on me getting up here on a Sunday or Mark or Dill. You can pick up your Bible every day. This moment in history where we have been disconnected and kept from the church should not have derailed our faith. It should not derail who we are because we have access to Him every single moment of every single day for ourselves. I went on a complete tangent, but I'm so passionate about every single one of us taking hold of our own personal faith journey with Jesus. I can only be responsible for me. You can be responsible for you. And let me tell you, you can do it. You have everything, every single thing that you need in you by the power of the Spirit of the living God to walk through this season and come out stronger on the other side. And if you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. Finding rest for your soul and getting your life back, it is possible. It's not impossible. It's a promise. It's in Scripture and you can do it for yourself by the power of God living and active on the inside of you. It can be done. And one of the most effective ways to bring calm and peace and rest our souls to calm and quiet our hearts is to practice what John Eldridge likes to call, which I have practiced for myself, the one minute pause. A minute where you intentionally stop moving, stop thinking, stop talking, stop juggling, stop hustling, stop multitasking, stop trying to convince people of all the things, stop posting on social media, stop rushing, you stop what you're doing and you be still, and in the stillness, you say a few things. Now what this looks like for me is rush, 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 kids in the car, kids out the car, drop one, drop two, stand, I'm late for a meeting, what am I gonna do? I've got four minutes to go, but I only need one. So I stop outside the door or in my office or in my car and I take a breath. I breathe in and I breathe out. And then I say a few things. I say, I give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. I give this moment to you, Jesus. I give everyone and everything to you. And then I breathe in and I breathe out. And I say, I receive everything that you have for me. I receive you. You're all that I want. You're all that I need. And I breathe in and I breathe out. And then I thank Him. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are, that you're for me, that you're with me and you've gone ahead of this moment and that you make a way. And then I go on with the next activity, that meeting, that conversation, that school run, that decision or the next whatever moment it may be. we be still, we breathe, we settle, we release, we ask and we give thanks. Simple, right? Why don't we do it together? I know you're all pumped to do it together. Why don't you shift position where you are in your home? Just engage this moment. Put your notes down. Perhaps put your device down. And I want you to take a deep breath. Breathe in and breathe out. Be still. And I want you to say with me, I give everyone and I give everything to you. I give everyone and I give everything to you. Breathe in, breathe out. I love you, God. Would you fill me up? I receive you. You're all that I want. You're all that I need. I breathe in and I breathe out. Thank you, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're for me. Thank you that you're with me. And thank you that you have gone before. Thank you that you've made a way, and I breathe in and I breathe out. It's just a minute, but strategically placed in moments in your day where you're feeling harassed and hurried and stressed and tense, it could perhaps help you to recover the rest and peace that your soul needs in this season to function so that you can go about your life and your days in an optimal way. The world's gone mad, John Eldridge says, and it's trying to take our souls with it. So the third thing I want you to remember this morning is to slay the madness. Slay it. How are we gonna do that? Just with a minute, here and there. Just one minute. We can slay the madness when we refuse to be swept along in its current when we pause and we breathe and we allow our souls to catch up. It's been one of the most helpful things that I have done in this past year. It's brought calm and clarity and consistency and confidence to my life because I've just stopped and I haven't allowed my external circumstances to dictate what my day should look like you know when you're in an airplane and they give you that emergency protocol? I actually think it has a different name and I could not remember it. But anyway, I'm gonna call it emergency protocol. (laughs) And they say to you, know when the the cabin pressure drops, not what you wanna hear ever when you're in an airplane, but when the cabin pressure drops, you need to grab the oxygen mask and put it on yourself first. Because if you don't, you're not much help to anyone else around you. You know, at this church, we say often and with conviction and confidence, we exist to champion God-breathed living. Can I say to us this morning as a church who still believe that even amidst this season, it doesn't look like we hope it should look, hoped it would look, but God is still in it and we still exist to champion God-breathed living, but How do we do that if we are walking around breathless, ourselves? It starts with me. It starts with you taking ownership of your life and your story and your health in your soul. If we are gonna be effective advocates of change and bringers of hope and peace in this season to our nation, we best ensure that we take care of our own souls first for ourselves. There is a world around us that desperately needs you and I to be well within our souls. And there's an invitation from God this morning to recover your life, to get it back, to take hold of it. And so what would it look like, church, for you to take a minute here or there in your week coming to pause, to stop, to breathe, to ask, to receive, and to give thanks. Let's pray. I thank you, Jesus, that you give us grace. You say that your mercies on you every morning. And so we take hold of your grace this morning. We take it with both hands and we thank you. And I pray, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would empower every single person who's watching right now to just take a step, to just take a step to perhaps try something new and different and other. And I thank you that as we commit to walk with you, Jesus, you are working things out passionately for our good. And so we say yes and amen to every promise that you give us this morning. And we walk forward with confidence in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.